Hi there. Happy New Year. Right Reverend John St. Germain, January 2nd, eh? Happy 2018. Um, hey, why don't you get a drink or something and come back in just a minute. We'll play out our intro, and then we'll be back. back again for show number 129 third season and we've been around for a while yet and we shall be around for a while yet to come spirits willing and we're going to talk about spirits tonight and uh my goodness have you made new year's resolutions i don't make them um for me the new year is just a arbitrary date on the calendar um but there's a certain I don't know a feeling about it, isn't there? Some people get depressed, and some people get happy, and some people renew their commitment to a better life. And, uh, you know, if you do that, you know, more power to you. Good. Um, I, I do that periodically. Just every now and again, I'll say, well, I'm going to try something new. And, uh, gosh, i got to tell you, my drink, I, I made a – this is my winter drink. I, I drink chai in the winter, and I drink it the traditional way with butter in it. It's actually ghee. You know what ghee is, G-H-E-E? It's uh, purified butter. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more gross than letting this stuff get cold because that uh, ghee has all the dairy, the fat. It's just the fat. It's got the dairy solids removed. So it's the uh, the oil, basically, and it solidifies on top. <laughs> and when you drink it, it's like this big glob of uh, guck that floats to the top in what was once a, a very savory and rich drink becomes this uh, kind of disgusting it's like egg yolk or something on top it's uh, kind of nasty and I have no way of warming it up and I, you know I just like to share these little intimate interludes of my life with you the suffering of a spiritual man Ugh. but the chai is still good oh my goodness 2018 2018, 2018. I was born in 1960. Can you dig that? I remember the Vietnam War. I remember the Beatles. I remember, kind of remember Kennedy and the assassination. I remember Nixon. So really, I remember a lot of things. And uh, I just don't see the end of the world coming anytime soon. I keep plugging on. Let's talk about our crystal of the week, which is uh, phenakite. And uh, I'll tell you, phenakite is an amazing stone. I have had reason to think this. I obtained a piece of this uh, rather rare hexagonal crystal uh, stone recently, and I can't even tell you what color it is. Uh, You turn it, it's kind of clear, and you turn it in different directions under different light, it 
it's kind of pink, um, kind of blue, um, kind of clear, kind of gold. Um, you got to see it to believe it. It's a prism. It's a prismatic crystal, and uh, it's kind of like mica in that respect. It just generates all kinds of different colors. And uh, the piece I have is uh, fairly small, about as big as your thumbnail. Uh, and it's got an amazing vibration to it. And this is a, a stone that will stimulate your crown chakra like nothing else. And uh, presumably it stimulates your crown chakra. Uh, it'll vibrate your uh, star chakra that, you know, is the chakra of the etheric body, the astral body. And, um, and it'll just uh, shoot up from there to all kinds of... Uh, 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 parts of you that you don't even know you have and um, it will uh, help you in your communication to higher powers and spirits and things um, and um, I want to tell you that if you decide to buy these it'll cost you anywhere from 50 to $200 for a rather small piece but it's a good investment just don't lose it and uh, from what I can uh, tell if you're doing work to try to uh, contact angelic higher master uh, energies and if you're ready to work with that type of higher vibration um, it is really something else uh, you can combine it with your high, other higher energy crystals kyanite um, uh, crystals like this and uh, uh, start working from your third eye up and uh, you'll, you'll feel a rush during your meditation it um, works well with your angel crystal, seraphonite, angelite, and um, will help you with your uh, um, uh, angelic meditations as well. Um, it will certainly help you along your, your path um, of spiritual development, so I think you should use it. It is a, um, uh, a hard crystal. It is... Um, um, I'm not sure of its structure. It's, uh, it seems like it's uh, uh, a silicate of some kind. Um, it's very hard. It seems like it is silicate. And uh, um, I just got a, a ping here that says it's beryllium, a beryllium silicate. It is very hard. So you can make an infusion of it, if you like, um, a direct infusion by dropping it into water and making an elixir of it. And it seems to me that um, being such a high vibration, you set it out in the sun or in the moon, and you get a, an immensely powerful elixir out of it very soon. So um, um, the um, vibratory energy of this would be quite high and probably would assist you in any kind of prayer work or meditation work. So uh, there you go. That is our stone of the week. Hey, we have people in chat. You should uh, come into chat room. In order to log into our chat, you just come into our blog talk radio. And, uh, of course, you can also uh, call in, you know, 657-383-0525. And uh, you can listen to our show, log into chat. And if you press 1, I'll put you on the air. You can tell us about your new year. Tell us what you want to do in this new year, what goals you're setting. Or just talk to us about your um, uh, your life in general. I'm going to tell you that um, this is the Crystal Silence League, which was founded around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of distributing prayer and positive affirmation for all in need. People used to send him 
their prayers on postcards and in letters, and he would take great piles of these and set his crystal ball upon that pile and pray for people. And uh, you could get membership in the Crystal Silence League by buying something. You buy a book from the Alexander Publishing Company or buy some uh, occultic paraphernalia like a crystal ball or a deck of tarot cards or a uh, a deck of fortune-telling cards or a pamphlet, and you got a year membership in the Crystal Silence League. And people often ask me, how do I join the Crystal Silence League? Well, you buy something. You can buy a crystal. You can buy a book from our gift shop, and you get a free year's membership. Or you make a donation to help us with our website and our newsletters and uh, uh, maintain the expenses of uh, the Crystal Silence League. You get a year's membership. Prayer, though, is always free. If you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, O-R-G, you'll see we have a prayer page. And we get about 200 prayers a week posted. And people will pray for you, and you'll get an email that says someone prayed for you. Whenever anybody prays for you, and they click, there's a little click that says someone prayed for you. And uh, our pastors pray for you daily. We usually print out about 10 of these prayers and put them on our altars, and we pray for you. And I read these prayers aloud, some of them, not all of them. I'd be on the air 24 hours a day, but I read some of them. And I invite you to pray with me for some of these people. I don't read your names out loud. I just read the prayer ID number. So why don't we do that? Prayer ID 68443, who says she's praying for a loved one, uh, who says uh, her husband, F, puts words in her mouth that she didn't say. He says, Lord, he's at it again, all because he does not feel good and because he knows that I'm right. Lord, I'm so tired of him when he thinks he wears the pants in this family. He needs a wake-up call to see who is always there for him. Do not let him cause problems with M and R. Amen. Marital problems. Pray right 68442. Please pray that my dog is healed from sores on the side of jaw from scratching. And please pray that I'm healed from sudden back spasms. Please pray that my household and loved ones are cleansed of any curse, if that's what's going on. May St. Michael protect us in Jesus' name. Amen. And prayer ID 68441. I pray that Jay will keep his words, that we will be together and move in together, and we will have less fights, and he will be much loyal to me. He will always be affectionate to me and think about me and us always, and that we will have a better future and relationship together. Amen. And prayer ID 68440. I pray that my 20-year marriage be restored and my husband comes back home and that all the curses from his family be broken and that he sees through them and the evil plots and plans. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we see a theme tonight? We do. Prayer ID 68439. I pray God touches my sister's heart <coughs> and turns it toward him, him being God, so her hatred, jealousy, and bitterness towards me and my family will stop, and that all the curses she placed on my finances, marriage, jobs, children, and grandkids will be broken off in Jesus' name. Amen. And here we have a different person, prayer ID 68438, who prays that the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey in the wilderness, 
that we may sacrifice to the Lord God to remove all blockages and cross conditions between C and B. I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. Remove all blockages and cross conditions between C and B. I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. Remove all blockages and cross conditions between C and B. Amen. That's somebody who knows how to pray. Prayer ID 68436. Oh, Lord, thanks for your blessings all day. At 6 a.m., my bike was stolen next to my home. I was planning to come to see you at church and attend morning mass at 8 a.m. very quickly, but that circumstance made my morning longer and tiring. I was at mass this morning, and I made my appointments with some business partners. This bike was new and a gift from a lawyer. Help me to find this bike or tell that to bring me that bike. In the name of Jesus, amen. And prayer ID 68435, I ask for your prayers that T and I will be reunited in unconditional love. May all the evil and negativity that's been keeping us apart be banished. May we overcome our challenges. May the pain and insecurities in our hearts be replaced by love, joy, and understanding. I beg that T and I begin to communicate this week and work things out. Amen. And prayer ID 68434, please help me get accepted into Booth's FT MBA program for 2018. Please let the admissions team see my potential and fit with their school. Please help me get a full-ride scholarship to Booth. Amen. Prayer ID 68432, I wish to pray for peace, better health, and love for everyone this 2017 was hard, hoping for better in 2018, thanking God for all his mercies last year, and asking his ever-presence in our daily lives this and every day. My peace I give unto you, thanking God for his mercies. Amen. And prayer ID 68430, I pray that I'll be successful in my new job. Amen. Let's have us a moment of silent meditation and prayer for everyone in need of affirmation and prayer, comfort, and support. Amen.
I hope everybody's having peaceful moments. I hope everybody's at peace. Our subject today, <clears throat> we're talking about spirits and how to um, how to talk to them and how to uh, communicate with them. And um, I've been talking to some of my clients. Uh, I've been doing some work with uh, some of my clients and their ancestors, and it's a very interesting thing. Some of the uh, chaos and conflict in our lives is uh, due to chaos and conflict among our spirits. And we're going to get into that at some point. And I'm going to tell you that uh, not everything is peaceful in our spirit world. There can be conflicts among our ancestors that's reflected in our life. Um, uh, I can tell you that there were uh, battles going on among family members and grudges that were carried on into the spirit world that caused problems in my life until it was straightened out. And uh, this is a very exciting type of spirit work to do once you start doing it, to try to lay to rest some of these grudges and things, uh, bad blood that was carried on in the spirit world. Um, 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 it's carried on. But if you're if you're in America and if you're in Western culture and you live in the 21st century, um, most people are not really prepared for very serious uh, spiritual engagement. If, if you do have a, a spiritual moment, a spiritual experience, it it shocks you. It 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 shocks you from your daily existence of getting up, going to work, dealing with uh, uh, the real world. Um, there's a disconnect with reality sometimes, and um, you have to make a choice. Are you going to live in your real, solid, day-to-day -day existence, or are you going to uh, try to integrate this spiritual aspect into it? And this creates a sort of uh, duality in many people's existence where uh, they, they can't talk to many people about it. Um, and this is something that I had to deal with a lot back in the 80s, I had clients coming to me and they said, you know, I can't tell people that you know, my grandmother is visiting me from the spirit world. If I went to work and told people about this, you know, these were people who were not uh, – people who worked in the spirit community. Now there are whole communities like this. You can get on the internet, connect with people who have these shared experiences, but back in the 80s, you couldn't find people that easily. And um, people used to eventually find each other at little conventions and meet in living rooms. But, oh, my goodness gracious, uh, you went to work and said, yeah, I, I talked to spirits. People avoided you and people shunned you because they thought something was wrong with you. So a lot of times people would have these spiritual experiences and have nowhere to go. And so they'd look in the phone book, if you remember those, and they would see psychics, mediums, etc., and they'd – call me on my telephone, on my landline, and say, I need to come talk to you. And they had no idea. And they say, usually, you know, I don't believe in things like you do, and I always thought it was a bunch of crap. But I woke up the other night, and um, there was my grandmother. You know, there was my dead wife. You know, there was my uh, uncle. And just as real as I'm talking to you, and I don't think it was a dream. And sometimes it happened once, and they just thought, oh, well, it was a dream. It, and it happened more than once. It happened continually. And, you know, he or she, they're trying to tell me something. And 
when this occurs to someone who has a rock solid grasp on hardcore reality, this is a hard headed human being. Why does this happen? You know, why is the spirit trying to come through? This shakes a person loose. They they have no uh, grounds to do it. And you, you know, someone like you and I, you know, if you're listening to the show, I assume you're someone like me. We have a background in this. We, you know, it happens to us. We just think, oh yeah, okay, there's a spirit. And this is when I talk to the very rational people. Uh, spirits are not part of their world at all. And you know, to me, you know, to me, if if like a space alien landed on the White House and aliens came out and shook hands with the president, I would just say, okay, there's an alien. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't change my worldview at all. It wouldn't be shocked. But there are people, it would ruin them. They would be, oh my God, my whole view of the universe has changed and I'm just so upset by it. You know, very rigid. But, you know, people like you and me, we just go, hey, look, an alien, cool. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, live long and prosper, man. You know, uh, because we we live in that kind of world, our, our view of reality is uh, flexible. You know, we we accept these possibilities. We've ex- had experiences, but there are people who are so uh, down to earth, so hard headed, so rational that this uh, shakes them loose when it happens to them. They, I don't believe in that ghost stuff. I've never seen one. Don't believe it. If I can't hold it in my hand, it ain't real. And then they something happens that they can't quantify, and it shakes them loose. And, you know, all the time people said, yeah, I've seen ghosts, I've had experience, I've had psychic experiences. They just go, yeah, it's in your head, happens to them. Then what? Well, I'll I'll tell you, death makes a believer out of everybody. You know, these people that say, oh, I don't believe in any of this stuff, well, they die. All of a sudden, they're they're in the spirit world, now they believe. But what a shock to them. And sometimes they don't like it. You find spirits, they don't like it. They don't accept it. They say, this this is against everything I've ever believed in in life. And they fight it. They are the disgruntled dead. They don't like it. They say, I did not agree to this. I don't agree to this system. Now, can you dig that? Can you dig that? They cross their arms and say, no, no, no. When I died, I wanted it to end. I did not agree to this afterlife stuff. Isn't that funny? And you do that. You do, and the, some of these are your ancestors. Y'all have y'all had someone in the family like that. I, I did. And you try to talk to them, and they no, no, I'm dead. No, no, this is this. I'm imagining this. <laughs> they deny the very fact of death itself. Isn't that funny? And uh, then you have people who have um, the other view, uh, so attached to their tradition that they won't even talk to you. It's against some people's religion to practice necromancy. So you have a spirit who um, was a fundamentalist Christian and is your grandmother. And then you try to talk to them. They go, no, 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 that's necromancy. That's, that's forbidden in the Bible. I'm not going to talk to you. So you see, this can be quite complicated if somebody is still attached to their uh, earthly um, beliefs. They go, oh, no, it's unnatural. It's wrong. No, no, I'd be offending God if I talked to you. So you see, there's a lot of complications that arise in necromancy. Furthermore, I'm going to tell you that 
you know, if your father and his brother have conflict going, and you ask your ancestors for help, and, and they're all on your side, they'll say they're, they're helping you. Your father, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, they're all on your side helping you, but they're bickering while they're doing that. A lot of that energy is being wasted in that bickering. And um, some of the work I've been doing for a little while now is bringing in higher powers to arbitrate that family squabble to lay it to rest so that the family can work together, you know, shake hands, agree that it's foolish to bring earthly conflicts into the afterlife so that mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, and uncle can work together without bickering. That energy that goes into that bickering can be used to help you. Just because things are a certain way in the past, that doesn't mean they have to be a certain way in the future. So think about your ancestors, where they come from, and what traditions that they practice. And um, I know that there's a, a tendency now, especially among uh, um, the younger people, to want to break tradition. And so just because something used to be this way, it doesn't have to be. Uh, I'd rather, you know, that's, that's dogmatic. It's uh, traditional. But tradition is there for a reason. And... If you want to talk to your ancestors, you have to honor their beliefs. So um, I don't think progress is necessarily always good. Now, I am I am trained in science. I was uh, trained in engineering and physics. That's good. But when we're talking about spirituality, we need to know the traditions. So think about the traditions. Now, Ancestors practice these traditions generations upon generations upon generations. So some of these generations go back before there was monotheism, before there was the idea of one God. It's going to take the living and the dead both working together to bring about this very important um, type of magic. And if we're going to create change in this world, and we, oh, we need change. This world is in bad shape. Would you believe me if I were to tell you that the living alone isn't going to be able to do it? We need help from the living and the dead. So it's going to take us all. It's going to take us all. And uh, the very exciting part about this whole thing is that the dead are willing to help. There are no greater protectors than our ancestors. And if we can get them on our side, oh my goodness gracious, there's nothing that we can't do. So why don't we do that? Well, because more people don't believe than do believe. And it is beholden upon us to expand our circle of believers in power. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Let's have some station identification. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condrum and Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, 
Tuesdays, 5 to 6. Food and Foxy, Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays, 6 to 7. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I just realized I didn't mute my microphone during that announcement, so you probably were hearing me uh, gulping my drink and uh, scratching my head and, you know, who knows, burping. I don't know what you heard. But anyway, um, before you begin necromantic work or magic of any sort, it's important to clean yourself or cleanse yourself, as sometimes it's known. I don't like the word cleanse. Back in the old days, we used to talk about discharging crystals, and then along came cleansing everything. you got to cleanse your crystals. What does that mean? Wash them in Ajax? Oh, no, you got to cleanse them of negative energy. Well, uh, we discharge them, right? You discharge them. They, they absorb. Crystals can uh, absorb energy, transform energy, transmit energy, and um, do a lot of things with energy. Uh, cleansing them seems to uh, seems to me to be kind of a I don't know a sissy kind of term. It's like these crystals are so delicate that if somebody has anger, uh, the the little crystals are going to uh, fracture or something. You know, crystals were forged in the bowels of the earth during creation with unimaginable pressures and unbearable heat, and nothing a human is going to throw at them is going to phase them in the in the slightest. You know, some of these crystals you can't break with a hammer. You can hit them with a hammer, some of the silicates, and they're not going to break. So cleansing them to me seems, I don't know. Now, people, however, need to be cleansed. And uh, some of the ways, you know, one of the best uh, cleansers of, uh, one of the, the best spiritual cleanser is alcohol. It's just simply that, uh, distilled spirits. So many of the spiritual baths that you take, involve um, distilled spirits. Uh, there's a, a really good one you know, in an emergency, like if you're out of town and uh, you run into somebody and they're very negative and you pick up that energy and you don't have uh, Hoyt's Cologne or Florida water with you, uh, get a dark beer, get you a bottle of Bach beer, dark beer or dark ale and uh, run you a hot bath and put some salt in it and pour that dark beer in it, and that'll do in a pinch. That'll do in a pinch. And uh, uh, if you can uh, get a German dark beer, there's Australian dark beer, which is good, but German dark, the German hops uh, seems to do a very good job. Um, the um, uh, hard cider, hard apple cider is good. Um, I have found that brandy and cognac it's a very good cleanser, especially if you take some of it internally. Have you a nice brandy? Pour a little bit in your bath water. Let the uh, fumes of the brandy um, or the cognac. You know, I've been known to drink brandy. That's the, that's really the only alcohol I drink is uh, brandy and cognac. And uh, people say, well, you drink? I drink brandy. I drink cognac. And just a little bit. It's a very great cleanser. Uh, there's... Um, uh, a lot to be said about infusions involving rum and brandy. Uh, these are traditional spiritual infusions. Um, you can take juniper berries and infuse them in whiskey or infuse them in rum and take them daily as a tonic for male potency. 
Uh, bay leaves can be um, inscribed with the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Three bay leaves. Inscribe them, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And uh, uh, infuse them in rum and use them as a uh, cleansing uh, preparation. Or you can burn them for suffumigation in your house. Uh, it's very easy to cleanse. You don't have to buy expensive preparations. Uh, Florida water, uh, Canango water, Hoyt's cologne, these are all very good. Um, uh, very simple things. Sea salt, black pepper, black coffee, a cup of black coffee mixed together, pour it in your back bath water. Um, if you want a, a, a great book filled with uh, handy things. You can go out and you, if, if you go out in your backyard and find some stuff. Get a Cat Ironwood's book, Who um, Do Urban Root Magic, and there's tons of stuff. And you know, there are root workers or people who say they're root workers today. Uh, you get on Facebook, and say, "Yeah, I'll do, I'll do all kinds of root work for you," and they can go out in their backyard. They, they don't recognize roots and herbs unless it comes in a package. And they can go out in their own backyard and walk right by uh, Albert Camino and not recognize it. I swear to God. And uh, they could go right by uh, a, a forest of of herbs used in root work and not recognize it unless it has been picked, cleaned, and packaged. I swear to God. And uh, I'll tell you, when, when I bought this house uh, that I currently live in, uh, there's a vacant lot that now has my chapel on it. When I went in that vacant lot, I couldn't believe it. It was uh, a gold mine, up to and including a hundred-year-old walnut tree. Can you believe it? And I, I just couldn't believe it. I said, I'll never have to buy herbs again. It was unbelievable, including a jasmine bush. I just, ah, I was just crazy. So uh, it's very good. So there's a lot of this uh, uh, stuff. So if you if if you're going to uh, practice necromancy you don't want to bring in somebody else's crap you know if you had a hard day at work your boss yelled at you your uh, co-worker um, spent all day talking about how much he hates certain people and how much he loves uh, president trump or whatever <coughs> i just said the name and it choked me <coughs> and uh, uh oh my goodness I, it, it like made my throat chakra cl close up let me get a blue crystal and rub on it here or something. Um, you see, even that, I'm going I'm to have to take a bath in beer tonight or something. Um, and you, you have to do something about it, uh, take your bath. If you're going to practice necromancy after something like that, take a bath, you know, take a cleansing bath in, in something and, <laughs> and drink, a, drink some cognac or brandy or something, rum or something. Um, but make sure, make sure you're clean and, uh, and I'm going to tell you, just walking through the day in this world, you're going to collect a lot of psychic gunk. You know, people people always tell me somebody threw on them, and uh, I do a reading on them. I say, no, nobody threw on you. You're just around a bunch of assholes all day. Yeah, that's all it is. So learn to learn to discharge yourself. Learn to center yourself. Learn to ground yourself. Learn to shield yourself. These are just common tactics. And God help people that call me my clients. They're always uh, uh, in, in a mess because they're psychically sensitive and they're aware of all the stuff that goes around you. And I'm going to give you uh, a word of advice. Just because you're aware of psychic attack doesn't mean the psychic attack is is hurting you. Just because you're aware of the 
evil and crap around you doesn't mean that it's affecting you. You're aware of it, right? Just because you're aware of danger doesn't mean the danger is actually hitting you. You're just sensitive to it. And the more psychic work you do, the more sensitive you're going to be to it, but it doesn't mean you're taking it on. You have to refuse to take it on, draw your boundaries. Um, this is going to be very important when you do necromancy because all the, not all the spirits that you're going to uh, have around you are going to be good spirits. There's a constant struggle in the spirit world, just like in the real world, between uh, good spirits and uh, uh, butthead spirits. And some of those spirits that are going to be attracted to the beacon you send out when you do magic, uh, they're going to be real, real scoundrels. And you're going to be aware of them. And you're going, ah, oh, I'm under psychic attack. Well, but just because they're around you doesn't mean that they're attacking you if you do the right thing. Um, now, a lot of people like to work in their own indigenous culture. That means if you're black, you work in the black culture. If you're white, you work in the white culture. If you're Native American, you work in the Native American culture. If you're Asian, you work in the Asian culture. Um, it's not necessary, um, but it, it can be part of your honoring your tradition. Um, I know that there is a, a tendency right now for people to be uh, very protective of their culture. And I respect this. There, there's a, a term going around right now being used a lot and sometimes misused called cultural appropriation. And maybe, perhaps there is some of that. You know, perhaps there is some of that. But um, just because a white person, a person of Caucasian extraction, practices uh, Native American magic or traditions does not mean that that white person is stealing Native American culture. Um, you know, I am of Native American extraction. I have good evidence, good paperwork, family tradition, etc. Um, I don't mind things like um, cigar store Indians or the Cleveland Indians uh, logo. It, you know, these are cartoons. I don't mind it. I don't mind it if uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed people practice Native American magic or tradition. I don't mind it. I don't consider that appropriation at all, because my people are human beings. I'm a human being. Now, you know, if a tomcat walked on his hind legs smoking a pipe and reading a book, I would begin to think that cat's appropriating human behavior, and I would be disturbed by it. I, I am not a person that draws lines like that. And the people who do draw lines like that do disturb me because – and I'm just going to put it – I'm, I'm going to lay it on the lines – that is racism. That is racism. If you tell me that as another human being, I'm not allowed to have access to knowledge because it's mine, because it's my race, it belongs to my race, you know what? The Nazis did that. The Nazis said no non-German people are allowed to have the German culture, and that's racism. Because, you know what? It was an Asian person that invented the computer microchip. And it was a white guy that invented the telephone. So, you know, we're human beings. We share this. I don't want to hear it. Knowledge is free to all humans. So think about where your ancestors come from. 
And you know what? I have Irish and German ancestors too. So I borrow, I borrow from them as well. Listen to the deep voice of your soul. And if somebody is trying to tell you you're not allowed to practice a tradition because of um, you don't have, uh, I don't know, um, Choctaw in your DNA, maybe not this lifetime, maybe in the other lifetime, because what race is your soul? That's all I want to ask you. Um, um, however, I am going to tell you there are protocols. There are spiritual protocols. You just can't make stuff up, and a lot of people do. A lot of people, for instance, they get into hoodoo root work, and they say, well, I'm going to bring this into the 21st century. You know, these traditions, you know, they're old-fashioned. I'm going to do something else with it. I'm going to take the, the Wiccan uh, rule of three and apply to it. Uh, no, because the ancestors' technology, a protocol for engaging safely with spirits. There, there's a system of practice brought about by hundreds of years of trial and error for safely engaging with spirits and powers. It was tried by trial and error or by spiritual revelation. This is how we engage with spirits. And when somebody who's been in the business, been in the practice for an hour and a half says, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way because my instinct, my, my intuition uh, tells me to do it this way. You're, you're not going to get results. Or worse, you're going to anger some of these powers. Um, these technologies still work. That's the thing. They still work. If you go through these proper protocols, if you go through these proper uh, systems of practice, these techniques, you'll get results. If you just try to make shit up as you go along, you're not going to get results. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care what race you are. You go far enough back, your ancestors were not monotheistic. They were polytheistic. They had a whole bunch of gods and nature spirits and earth spirits, a whole bunch of them, if you go far enough back. So these technologies still work. It still work. Um, so I'm going to give you some protocols as we go along and um, – I'm going to tell you that uh, I had a lot of trial and error. I thought I could, uh, when I was a much younger guy, I thought that uh, I would uh, just do things and let spirit guide me. And uh, I thought I could skip some steps when I was younger. And, uh, I, man, I, I stumbled and fell a lot. But I was very lucky. I had good teachers. And I had hard teachers. I had teachers that were uh, hard with me. You know, they... Uh, they they would say things to me like you know you, you know you stupid kid <laughs> you know pay attention do you know do this right make me do it over and over and over again I'm, I don't know if teachers like that exist anymore well I am you know if I if I teach somebody I make them do it over and over and over until they get it right and that's why I don't have that many disciples or students or what uh, uh, apprentices because they you know they say oh, well you're mean you're mean you're hard you know I say you know well you're going to do it right. You know, if you're going to do it at all, you're going to do it right. And uh, I, uh, uh, I'm going to tell you that um, 
if you're going to do this kind of work, it's beautiful work. It's beautiful work, and you're bringing in good things into the world, and you're shifting the balance of good, good and evil. And um, on that topic, by the way, um, and I've had this discussion with a lot of people who uh, call themselves light workers. Um, a lot of people think they're going to eliminate evil in the world, and good and evil are human concepts. When you start working with spirits, you're going to find that uh, it's not a spiritual concept. There's light and dark, and light and dark is forever in balance, and light and dark must exist to keep the universe in balance. You're never going to eliminate dark. You're never going to eliminate light. However, they can be out of balance in certain situations. There can be areas, and there can be situations where there's light, too much light. Yes, that's right. Too much light or too much dark. And if that's the case, there's chaos. Situations must be brought back into balance. And so can there be too much light? In human terms, can there be too much good? Yes. Yes, there can. And some dark must be brought back into it. And sometimes it's the work of the spirit worker to help bring that back into balance the light and the dark back into balance. Sometimes there are areas of land where there's a struggle between light and dark, and it's gotten out of balance, and it will attract people into that area, light workers and dark workers, uh, to fight it out, to bring it back into balance. It'll bring spiritual work, spiritual uh, entities. Um, you know, these are vortexes, and they will attract people in that area who are light and dark workers to battle it out uh, magically to bring it back into balance, the light versus the dark, because both light and dark want supremacy. They want to, they want to be supreme, but the balance must be maintained. This is heavy stuff right here. but And I have sometimes trouble with that because they're, they're wonderful people, very good people who say, oh, no, the dark must be contained. The dark must be imprisoned. The dark must be eliminated. You do that, you're going to blow the place up. <clears throat> It'll be out of balance. And uh, that I know that's a difficult thing to understand, that there must be dark. Dark must exist. That's a human reaction. It's not a spiritual reaction. That's a human reaction. We are appalled by the dark. That's a human reaction. And it's natural that we're appalled by the dark. It is not a spiritual reality, though. There is heaven and there's hell. And they, most, they both have to exist for the, uh, for the existence of the other. So that's um, that's just uh, some a wisdom you come into uh, with age, I guess, that has to be. And within each of us, there is dark and light, and it must. They both must exist, and they mo both must be understood. Carl Jung knew that, right? The shadow. So. One of the most fundamental techniques for necromancy is your altar, your shrine. And uh, so you make a model in your house, want, your uh, your goal. And you, you make a safe and welcoming space for whatever spirit to live. It's a space. It's a sign. It's a beacon that you send out to attract the type of spirit that you want to work with. Therefore, um, 
it, it needs to be set aside specifically for that spirit. So you don't set it up, you know, in your kitchen and you don't uh, set it up in your bedroom on your dresser where, you know, your makeup and stuff is. It's got to be a focal point. So a lot of times you have to douse this out. You've got to sense it out. You've got to find it. It's got to feel right. You have to divine it. And it's got it's got to make a powerful statement. You got to really mean it. It's not a hobby. Necromancy is not a hobby. This is a real commitment. It's got to make a powerful statement. So, you know, what is a shrine? And that's, you know, what is an altar? That's you, you can't really um, say it. It's what it is. I knew um, someone who they put it at the head of their dining room at the table. And that's where their grandfather would sit um, because they moved it all over their house. And then they said, okay, it's going to be right here at the head of the table. And they, they literally put it, they moved the chair and put it at the head of the table. And that's where grandfather would sit. Um, so sometimes it's not even a table. Sometimes it's just a, a spot on the wall where they put the photographs and they hang uh, grandfather's cane and they put the photographs around it. It doesn't have to be a table. Um, sometimes it's a box with artifacts in it. Um, sometimes it's a single picture. And I'm going to tell you that I knew an ancestor altar. It was a jar that had... Uh, his uncle's dentures in it. Sometimes it's an urn with the ashes, the cremains of the departed. So nobody can tell you if your urn is right or if your urn, if your shrine is right or wrong. It's a very personal thing. But you can start with the space. Um, you can start with a table, and you put a white cloth on it, and you put bowls on it. The bowls, uh, a lot of people like to use those little white rice bowls you get at Chinese uh, restaurant supply places. And you probably are going to want um, um, some pictures of your ancestors. And uh, cemetery dirt from your ancestors is good to put in some of those bowls and things that your ancestors liked. If you're working with specific ancestors, put your pictures on the altar and things that they like. If they like to smoke, give them tobacco. If they like to drink, give them alcohol, but don't give them alcohol if they were drunks. Don't do that. If they like candy, give them some sweets. Um, you do want to clean the area. And uh, we'll, t we'll talk about that probably uh, in some detail because one of the things you want to definitely do is run off um, – evil spirits. Um, the, um, you want to uh, discourage um, disturbances. You don't want disturbing spirits. Um, what you, you want to do, um, you want to weaken spirits and keep them away. So uh, drag, you want to burn dragon's blood and camphor in your altar space, right off the bat, what this will do is run away 
most spirits. It's kind of like a you nuke it. Uh, dragon's blood um, and um, uh, camphor will. Uh, it's kind of like a ghost banisher. This will weaken spiritual activity. And once you do that, wait a few days, and then you can burn sandalwood. And uh, you want to burn uh, benzoin, and you want to burn frankincense and myrrh. And uh, I don't burn all these at once. I usually burn them one day after the other. And these attract the higher vibrational spirits. The trickster spirits are not attracted to these, uh, especially um, especially benzoin. Um, and uh, Benzoin will discourage tricksters to come in, and tricksters are very, uh, very much a problem when you make ancestral shrines because a trickster can come in and go, "Yeah, I'm your aunt, I'm your aunt Betty, yeah, I'm your uncle Frank," and they'll tell you things that, you know, kind of sound like Frank, because they they want your offerings, you know, they want all that sweet stuff you give Uncle Frank, and but once you get a trickster in, man, they're hard to get rid of, they're hard to get rid of because you have to nuke your altar. I mean, you can't. It's hard to get rid of just one spirit. Uh, you know, you have to nuke your altar. Now, sometimes your other, you know, if your altar is already set up and you have a lot of other spirits there, they'll they'll get rid of them for you. But if you're just starting out and you get a trickster spirit in, they'll uh, they'll torment you to death. So, well, not to death, but they'll bother. You know, it's like having a poltergeist. You know, they're mischievous. So, um, first thing you want to do is get the spirits out because you, you don't know what you got. You can have all kinds of stuff in your room, and then invite the higher elevation spirits in you start communicating with your ancestors and I'm going to tell you it takes a long time it'll take six to eight weeks before you get the slightest indication of a spirit coming in and that's one way you um, you can spot a trickster if you're getting uh, spirits coming in in a day you know or a few days it's probably a trickster they're very eager you know they pop in and go ah hey hey here I am <coughs> probably a trickster. You want to test them. You want to ask them things only that specific spirit you're trying to contact would know. And see that's one thing the you know if you knew it the if you knew it that, you're anxious too. You oh my god, I got a spirit. Oh my god, yay, I got a spirit. And the spirit's like, "Yeah, hey, I'm your spirit. Yay." The next it's like a forced friendship though. You know, it's like one of those friends you don't really want but you can't get rid of them. They call you all the time. They drop by all the time, and you're like, "Oh my God, how do I get rid of this person? Jesus Christ, they won't leave me alone." Oh, oh gee, that's how that spirit is. So you, you got to be very careful with them. Um, so um, one of the um, another thing you can do is, uh, if you can do it, have a room that's dedicated to your spirit work. Um, you. You can clean the entire room with Chinese wash uh, before you set it up. Um, there's um, uh, you can clean it with um, uh, lemongrass. There's a type of tea. I'm trying to remember the name of it that's used for uh, uh, is it mate? Mate tea. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, you can uh, make tea from cherry bark, uh, dogwood tree bark. Uh, um, and um, use, use uh, tea made of these. Uh, scrub your entire room and try to get the floor and the ceiling as well. And um, 
you know, to clean your room before you do this. So this will this will assure that you have uh, spiritual privacy before you begin. Then you burn your uh, attracting incenses to bring in the higher spirits and start communicating with uh, the spirits that you want to. This is a very uh, intriguing topic, and there's so much to it. Uh, sometimes I don't I don't even know where to begin. I do know you need to begin with cleaning. Um, now. I want to tell you why you don't want to have alcoholic spirits in your house. Uh, they, you tend to pick up the spiritual vibrations of the spirits that are around you. Remember the Amityville Horror, the uh, uh, Roger DeFeo killed his fi- entire family. The spirit that caused that repeated it. Um, anybody that went in that house had uh, violent tendencies. Uh, if you have spirits that were alcoholics in life, they have a tendency to encourage people to drink. And I recently had a uh, a case where uh, someone who lived close to me said, uh, "John, I, I, me and my wife, we haven't taken a drop to drink in over seven years, and we moved in this house, and we get drunk almost every night, and we fight." And uh, so I made it made an investigation, and it turned out the people that used to live there. Uh, the husband died in there, and he was a hopeless drunk, and that vibration was still there. And I went through the house and uh, did a blessing on it and uh, removed that spiritual energy, and uh, uh, the, the people were able to stop drinking. They, they they drank for a little bit because it had become a habit, but after a while, they resolved to stop drinking, and they did. But you see how pernicious that spiritual energy can be. You, you don't want spirits around you that are going to encourage you to have bad habits. Well, we're out of time this week, and uh, next week we'll try to do um, get further into how to build the altar. I'm a little disoriented this week. I got a flu shot, and it gave me a splitting headache like a migraine. So I'm a little bit disoriented, and it's a little bit hard to focus. So next week we'll try to be a little bit more on track. Um, this is your jolly reverend, John St. Germain. We'll see you next week. Why don't we go out with just a little bit of uh, music, and um, I'll see you next week. You know I love you guys. You know, come back. Mm-hmm.